Hey there, welcome to the Stormwater World Podcast. After 10 years in the stormwater industry, I feel like I've only scratched the surface of all there is to learn. I believe there are a lot of people just like me who are curious, but we're all just so busy. So I'm going to ask the questions so we can get the answers together. My name is Ty Garman, and I'm your host. Join me as we learn about what is happening in the stormwater world. We're back with another episode of Stormwater World Podcast, and today we're going to be talking about green stormwater infrastructure, and all of you listeners out there know that I know nothing about anything, but worry not, I've got the guy uh, to explain all of it to us, uh, Rob Woodman, National Manager of Green Stormwater Infrastructure with Ferguson Waterworks is here today, and uh, Rob, welcome to the pod, appreciate you coming on. Oh, you're so welcome, and I am. Uh, I'm thankful to be here. Love talking about this stuff, and certainly appreciate the work you're doing to get the word out to folks. Well, thank you, thank you. And uh, I, I know you want to talk about kind of what Ferguson's doing in the green stormwater infrastructure space. But again, for my own knowledge, as well as some of the folks out there, let's just start at the beginning. Let's define what is green stormwater infrastructure. Yeah, great, great question. You know, it's one of those terms that honestly is fairly flexible uh, and is used differently in different scenarios, uh, sometimes correctly, sometimes incorrectly. Uh, uh, that and, was my fear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's clean, let's clean up, let's clean it up, let's clean it up. Yeah, so, and there's some, EPA has some pretty good definitions too, and there's often a lot of debate between what's low impact development versus green infrastructure and things like this. But I think in its simplest form, okay. green infrastructure is this idea of using decentralized, often nature-based systems, not always, but often nature-based systems that can be used to uh, manage and treat stormwater at its source. Um, so you end up with sort of patchwork of um, vegetated and soil-based systems, maybe permeable pavers scattered throughout a neighborhood or a city um, that capture the water, filter it, often manage volume, and then release it, hopefully protecting um, the downstream water bodies that it's feeding. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then before we dive into what how Ferguson is approaching that, um, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, maybe, if you if you if you'd like. Yeah, <laughs> As I put you on the spot. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I'll start by saying I'm, I'm, I'm extremely thankful for the journey I've had. I've, I've been in the kind of civil engineering space for um, uh, coming up on 20 years. Um, so I grew up in Australia. That's why my voice or accent is a little bit strange and that you'll get a little little bit of the crocodile hunter here and there. Um, but I went to school. Up in <laughs> I Australia. think everybody's going to love it. It's going to be the best episode yeah. purely on your, purely on your voice, Rob. Yeah, sure, maybe, certainly uh, not mine. <laughs> I maybe can throw in a few wiggles numbers at the end. We'll see how we go. But, um, so yeah, so I grew up in Australia. I went to school in Australia to do uh, civil engineering uh, at a university called the University of Wollongong, which is just south of Sydney. If you're kind of familiar with, with where Sydney is in Australia, uh, and graduated from, from civil engineering there. And while I was at school, happened to meet a, a young American woman who is my wife still today. Uh, we've been married for almost 20 years. And uh, so we met at school over there while she was studying abroad. And then she quickly uh, uh, dragged me back uh, to the U.S. And I've loved, it, <laughs> loved, loved every bit of it. So I've been here since 2005. And I um, actually spent the first 10 years of my career um, in the civil engineering consulting world. So I work for a, uh, okay. a local engineering firm. I'm based in uh, Southern Maine. Um, so okay. I was working um, uh, for a consulting firm there and um, just doing a lot of site development projects, um, commercial projects, uh, school projects, 
a little bit of residential uh, and came into designing right at, right at the time that Maine was adopting new stormwater rules where they were shifting from focusing on uh, TSS or total suspended solids and moving towards this phosphorus driven world. And so I fortunately didn't have any of the baggage of the old rules. I was only coming in with the new rules. Uh, I was also the youngest engineer in the office. And I think every time a salesperson called, they would say, ah, just put them through to Rob. And I didn't know how to say no. So I took these calls. And over the course of the next couple of years, got to become very familiar with all of the different uh, innovative technologies and practices that are out there in the world. Um, And then um, it was around the 10-year mark that I was uh, given the opportunity to make the big shift from the consulting world to the crazy, crazy world of uh, products and solutions. Uh, And I did that. Um, So... I spent about seven years with ACF Environmental, which was an East Coast-based uh, geo and stormwater provider. And then right, right. in late 2020, uh, Ferguson um, acquired ACF, and I went from being part of a 250-person company to a 36,000 associate company. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You guys, yeah, you guys just acquire, you know, just every now and then you guys acquire a company here and there. Yeah, there's been some great acquisitions, D2 Land and Water, um, Triton on the GeoStorm side, and then across the bigger business, you know, Ferguson is making oh a number gosh. of strategic acquisitions. Um, absolutely, all, all a- absolutely mo- monstrous, monstrous. The Amazon of water, the Amazon of water solutions. Right? Yeah, hundred percent. So I don't know how you want to look at it. No, there's. I mean, look, it's 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 crazy how many things we cover, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a little bit. But it was really interesting, sort of starting at ACF as a essentially a stormwater engineer, but really trying to understand what it looked like to not just you know um, have a series of products, and as cheesy as it sounds, but really look at more of a relationship based and solution based approach, which says, okay, look, we've we've collected a whole bunch of different products and accessories and widgets. How can we put those together in smart treatment train type configurations where they're useful um, to an engineer and, and being a distributor, not a manufacturer, kind of having the flexibility to actually take different parts and pieces from different manufacturers and come up with systems um, for both private and public sector um, developers, you know, whether it's engineers, landscape architects municipalities. And so it's been fun to build out this suite of solutions over that time at ACF and now Ferguson with, you know, permeable surfaces, um, high flow biofiltration, filters and screens, space efficient storage, a whole variety of things that says, hey, look, look, we're not always going to have the right solution for every project, but we've at least got something that you could probably consider and look at and say, okay, does this make sense to my site? You know, how does it fit? How is it sited? How is it sized? What does it cost? What are the maintenance obligations? Uh, and then hopefully make an informed decision. Uh, the good thing is stormwater is such a, an active space that there's so many projects out there. We don't we don't have to get every single one of them. We're going to get our fair share. Uh, and there's a number of other great providers, both on the distribution and the manufacturing side, who will also get their their fair share as well. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, you funny. It's funny. I, I hear it all the time. And not to get too far off, I do want to get back to the the uh, green infrastructure. But you know, you mentioned. The costs and then the maintenance and then like, but then when we kept talking, you know, right, we kept going and it's like, well, what, you know, total ownership, you know, I think that gets lost sometimes. And I guess, is that a big, is that, I, it should be a big thing for everybody. Yeah, I, I would assume you just, you just, you know, you're going to say yes, but you know, talk about that for a second, total ownership of a project, you know, not just uh, the initial cost to get it in the ground. Yeah. Um, 
but the maintenance and everything. Do you do you guys feel like you provide a lot of consulting from that side of things with the people buying? Because I know I look at the website and I know I can just put stuff in, in a cart and buy it. But do you guys feel like that? What am I trying to say? Is like, do you feel like you guys do a lot more of the the hand holding and like, hey, let's no, let's let's step take a step back and and really help you with your project rather than just that people just buying in the shopping cart and 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 then you never really talk to them, see them, touch them whatever what are your kind of the thoughts on on that like yeah um, I don't know, yeah. it's kind of a weird kind of a weird question but i just kind right. of get in a feel because you guys are different you're big right and you have to be able to just provide to the contractor what the contractor wants right but at the end of the day you know you want to make sure there's a solution is sound so how do you how do you approach that how do you yeah conquer no, that hill really great question great comments and stuff that i really like to talk a lot about so you know, the team that I lead on the green stormwater side, and then I'll get back to your total ownership comment, but um, sure. it's comprised of kind of all the front end folks. So I manage the, our team of uh, a group that includes a whole bunch of engineers and designers, project managers, okay. and then also technical specialists and experts. And yeah, our goal is to be a collaborative partner with the folks who are doing the specification, doing the design, doing that product selection. But because we also are the ultimate folks who are selling to the contractor, which is more on our sales side, which I'm connected to, but don't directly manage those folks, it gives us a unique window into what happens during construction, what happens post-construction, um, and how can we use what we learn there to actually come back and, and influence design. And I think one of the biggest challenges in the consulting world today is that um, – Young engineers aren't getting out in the field a lot. They're not getting to see, you know, what is what is happening post construction. And I don't blame them for that. You know, it's a, it's a it's a metrics world. It's an optimization world. You don't have the time. You've got to move on to the next project. You don't have the time to go out into the field. We can come back and say, hey, you know what? One of the one of the big things we've noticed with green infrastructure is um, pre treatment and screening is a really smart accessory to put on the front end of a system to really protect it make maintenance simpler, lower cost, more efficient, all those things that are going to make the chances of maintenance going up, you know, higher. Um, but those are sorts of things that aren't regulatorily required. So from a civil engineering perspective or designer perspective, we're not always thinking about those pieces because if it's not required, well, why would we put it in? It's just going to add cost to, to the owner or add cost to the project. But you spend a few dollars more on the front end, it's going to make the life cycle cost, that total ownership cost, lower and reduced moving moving forward. So yeah, we definitely speak into that. Um, and definitely probably, I would say spend often more time speaking about some of the little subtleties in the design, the little accessories, the little things that are going to help the, the larger system perform better than that larger system itself. Because if you're not going to protect right. it, you know, why even put it in to start with? Um, right. Right. And I think things are starting to shift there. I mean, maintenance is still this <laughs> like, Oh, maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. Yeah. I did a survey. I did yeah. a survey of about, <laughs> exactly. I did a survey of about 150 engineers early this year and asked them some questions about maintenance. And, uh, it turned out that only about 16% of folks said that, um, maintenance is budgeted for. So if, that's the world wow, we live in, right? The chances and it's, it's not, not shocking for it's not going to happen. Sixteen percent. So let's say twenty. So twenty times ten. So two. Yeah. So I mean, I mean like, you know, this is this will probably be episode eleven, twelve of the podcast. We've been doing this since January, and folks, if you've been listening, if you listen to every um, episode, how many times has maintenance come up? Comes up over and over and over again. Um, it's it's it it could it could just it, it has it's a I don't know. I don't know how you. I don't know how you gloss over maintenance. 
Yeah, I well, I think sometimes I green infrastructure gets a bad name too because folks are comparing maintaining green infrastructure compared to doing nothing. So, of course, the maintenance for green infrastructure is going to be more expensive. But if you're looking <laughs> at different ways to manage wet weather truly, green infrastructure can uh, really be a fairly cost-effective way to do it. So, Sure, sure. Yeah. What is your baseline? Hey, before we go before we go further, I think it's, uh, it's important to point out, I just like, you know, want to recap a little bit what you were just saying. Um, for our folks out there, uh, Ferguson is a huge company. So if you're listening, you're like, hey, that's that's really interesting uh, what Rob's saying and whatnot. And you just jump off, you start typing in your phone or your computer, Ferguson. That's going to lead you down a, a slippery slope because it's just such a huge company. So uh, this is going to go in the show notes. But right now, I just want to throw it out there. Ferguson GSS, G is in George, uh, S is in Sam, S is in Sam.com. That is the Stormwater website or the Geo and Stormwater Solutions website. That's what the GSS stands for. So FergusonGSS.com is how you're going to get to the the, the proper website. Uh, and I want to, I think it's also important to point out uh, as you're listening to Rob, if you didn't catch it, they're there to help. He's got a whole team of people. So, um, and, and just for me, I, you know, I look at it like, okay, all these guys are product specialists and they're just, they, they understand certain products and then, you know, and you buy the product and that, that's, that's it. That's the end. Um, and that is not what he just said. So what he said is like, um, we're building relationships with folks and we're helping, um, take all of our products and, and, and possibly help save you some money, some time, um, some headache, uh, in, in showing you, uh, what's out there and how they can piece together everything that they have at their capabilities, uh, and have a successful, uh, uh, you know, uh, full project uh, for you. So anyways, I just wanted to kind of point that out and then, uh, Hey, we need to get back to some green infrastructure. So uh, what are you guys doing specifically in that world? Yeah. So, um, well, you, you, the comments you just made, absolutely true. Ferguson is a big company. Uh, and most people, <laughs> when you meet them, they say, Oh, yeah. I didn't know Ferguson was in the green infrastructure space. You know, I know them for <laughs> toilets or faucets or whatever it may be. So there's a lot of re-education there. Um, and, and yeah, you're right. We've, we've got that kind of consultive uh, approach. And I'm thankful that Ferguson, when, when the company I was working with ACF was acquired, really saw the value in investing in a team that was focused on the specifier. And knowing that, you know, if you spend your day waiting for something to hit the street on plans, that's probably too late. You want to be at the front end, helping, influencing, supporting that spec, and also knowing the limits of your systems and saying, you know what, sometimes, Mr. or Mrs. Engineer, you don't need our system here. You, you could probably use a traditional approach from the stormwater manual and be in good shape, whether that's from a cost, you know, land space, um, performance, whatever it may be, permitting goals. And so, you know, we're not um, we're not aggressively forcing these solutions on folks. We're trying to let them know what we have and then knowing so that everybody knows when the right application is for that. But in terms of, you know, uh, you know, Ferguson covers a lot of products. It's been really satisfying for me to see, though, the investment not only in our team, but also the value that green infrastructure has brought to the greater organization, um, knowing that. Oftentimes, the stormwater permitting process, stormwater permitting process, is one of the first things that happens in a new project. Um, and so, often our group can get one of the first looks at a new project, and not only try to help with the stormwater program and um, low impact development like regime or implementation of green infrastructure, 
but also think about ways, how can we fold in other business groups within Ferguson to assist with some of the energy efficiencies of the building itself or the mechanical HVAC systems, uh, different things like that. So um, it's been really fun to actually participate in some larger projects on a bigger scale as well. I got you. I got you. Do you have any uh, particular projects going on right now or recent projects that top of mind that you would want to share with uh, with everybody? Kind of like maybe what the challenges were, what the solution was that you guys came up with. It could be a war story or it could be a success story. I, you know, like everybody wants to share their success stories, but we learn probably more from our war stories. But sure. I leave that to you. You got anything yeah. you want to share? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, we've We've got systems going in the ground uh, every day all over the country and every project you learn something. And we, we really make sure we're out in the field when these systems are getting installed as well. We don't just ship stuff and say, you know, good luck, Mr. or Mrs. Contractor. Um, we're <laughs> right. out there because we learn a lot from that. But um, so a lot of cool projects happening. I would say for me personally, I've learned the most over the last four or five years working on um, the city scale green infrastructure side of things. So had a great opportunity to work collaboratively with the Philadelphia Water Department. Um, also recently with uh, the cons- some consultants of New York City DEP. So two, two big, fairly robust green infrastructure programs that are well-funded, well-supported, you know, hundreds and even thousands of assets at this point. Um, and um, sort of getting to help Philly first with a couple of different widgets that really helped on their operation maintenance side, some filters and screens and things like that. But then going to a couple of additional cities after that and saying, oh, hey, you know, we've cracked the code. We've got it all done in Philly. But then realizing, you know, it's not just about the pollutant of concern or the flow rates or the type of um, sediment you're trying to trap or trash you're trying to trap. There's perspectives. There is opinions. There's there's budgets. There's past experiences (laughs) that make every city unique. And so, you know, city specific goals need city specific solutions so you can't come in like a bull in a china shop saying oh it worked here so it's going to work there you've got to sit down and work collaboratively these folks and so i don't know if i quite answered your question but for me some of those city scale sort of um, evolutions and development of products through a lot of r d and you know successful installs and then challenging ones we've had to go back to the drawing board those have been some of the funner ones for me and i think some things that have made us a little unique as a project partner what would you say? So, like, you know, green storm. If we just say, if we made two camps, traditional stormwater and green infrastructure, as it relates to stormwater, what's the the key difference and the key challenge between the two? Yeah. So, if you think about conventional design, you'd be looking at sort of yeah. catch basins, inlets, pipe conveyance, exactly. and then either directly to thinking. water bodies okay. or like large right. wet ponds. And you think about Florida, yep. a lot of really space consumptive yes. yep. ponds and and um, the the BMPs. Some people call them big muddy ponds. I've heard as a uh, <laughs> I've never heard a, that. That's a funny, funny uh, uh, alternative to best management practice. But um, so that would be the traditional approach. So it's sort of sending right. it to a centralized facility. Um, and there's still a, a, there's still space and time for those types of solutions in different areas. And so we often call that like gray infrastructure. And if you look at even like mm-hmm. cities like D.C., you know, you've got this balance between knowing when to use gray and when to use green and this kind of balance between the two being sort of an ultimate solution rather than going all in in one direction or the other. Green infrastructure changes it and right, it takes it away from that centralized 
takes all, all those inlets and pipes and actually manages it at the source. So you've got these patchwork of little practices spread out through a larger region that hopefully not only filter, but also actually reduce volume, potentially uh, reduce the impact on undersized pipes that have been in the ground for um, you know, 10 years, 20, mm. 30 years, and receiving more and more development. So green infrastructure will hold back some of that. Um, and again, it, it's, there, there's a balance there, you know, both, both sides have to kind of co coexist. Um, but we've definitely seen what the addition of green infrastructure has done from a retrofitting standpoint to, um, support undersized and aged, um, aging conventional grade infrastructure. Gotcha. Gotcha. I assume you probably do a lot of lunch and learns. You're visiting with a lot of people. And uh, normally, in some, when you're trying to, it's almost like a paradigm shift or you're trying to get people to see, you know, like a, a little bit better way to do stuff. Um, there's a maybe a couple of questions that always come up or, or challenges or just a, a mental blocks, if you will. I don't know what you want to call them, but you probably hear them over and over again. So like, if there's one or two that really stand out to you that you'd like to mention right now and then clear them up, like here's what everybody thinks or says or asks. Right. And I hear it all the time. And so here I want to clear it up. And here's here because because I may be thinking it. Everybody may be thinking it, too. And you could just knock that domino down right now uh, to make life easier for everybody to understand it. Again, here's me. Uh, Put you on the put you on the spot again with these crazy questions. But. No, 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 no. That's fine. Um, so a couple of thoughts on that. Again, I mentioned earlier I did a survey of a bunch of green stormwater designs right. earlier in the year. So try to right. lean on that data so it's not just my what's coming out of my head and what what this what's what what the data says. So one of the bonus questions I asked folks at the end of this survey was, you know, what are some of the greatest challenges you see with the implementation of green infrastructure? Um, and I sort of compiled all the answers and kind of ranked them. Uh, thir ranked third in terms of most important was actually uh, regulation. So this idea that there's a lot of states that haven't yet navigated pathways in their permitting process to even accept and adopt green infrastructure. Now that's shifting some. We're seeing more and more folks now at either a local or state level add the green infrastructure challenge, fold in nature-based systems. And you even see that like in a state like New Jersey now folks are forced to go green before they sort of have to go back to the gray side. So there's this need to put in more green infrastructure to change the way they're designing. So regulations one, but then the top two are cost and maintenance. Um, and so, and those can be very multidimensional. Um, cost is not people say it's too expensive. It's more that folks are saying, Hey, folks don't understand that not only are you getting great stormwater um, benefit for small storms, but with green infrastructure often provides a lot of, um, resiliency uh, as well beyond just your your typical first flush and a cost again to tie into something we said earlier was well, what are you comparing that to if you're comparing it to doing nothing yeah green infrastructure <laughs> but from an innovative product <laughs> provider standpoint i would say mm -hmm. one of the questions we get uh, well one of the one of the misunderstandings is you know when you compare traditional practices to innovative practices Generally speaking, if you have enough room on a site to fit a traditional practice and use something out of the stormwater manual, that's generally going to be the lower cost approach. Um, innovative practices really come in where suddenly now you're space limited or, or you want to do additional development on a site. That means that that big muddy pond or that bioretention system is is taking up too much space. That's where you can right. really leverage innovative products and say, OK, yeah, it might cost me a little bit more. But the added benefit to, to my development project 
uh, and the and the financial rewards for that far exceed the cost differential between traditional and innovative. So we try to look at every project um, and kind of look at those different options and say, okay, yeah, you know what, you, you could fit a bioretention here, but you know if you went with a high performance biofilter like our focal point. Maybe you can gain 10 additional mm-hmm. parking spaces mm-hmm. or maybe your building can be a little right. bit bigger, whatever it is. So there's that there's that balancing act. And I'd say that's one of the things that um, folks um, they often don't fully understand. If you can fit traditional, go do that all day long. And then we can help with accessories right. and liners and geosynthetics. If you don't have the space, go innovative. And that's where it opens up a whole world of fun in terms of the different products we work with. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I don't envy the challenge that you have because, um, it's kind of, it's kind of tough, right? Cause you, you gotta, you almost gotta catch these folks before they just knee jerk drop, whatever they've dropped before in the same spot. You mentioned that before that every place is a little different. You really got to build and look at the spec and look at the project. You gotta get zoom out. Let's go like zoom out, not only 30,000 feet, but I don't know, 10, 20, 30 years. And say, what are we really trying to accomplish here? And so, um, it's good, you know. I, I uh, kudos to you for for trying to get these folks because a lot of times in the engineering world, it's you know, it worked before. We're just kind of do it again, right? Do it again, do yeah, it again. You're absolutely um, right. And so, in the and to add to that, I mean, I think, and I did this myself as a consultant. You know, you use the same set of details from one project to the next because uh, yeah. it's easy, convenient, quick. However, when you do that you miss out on the things that you may have learned in the field or someone may have learned in the field. And so, you know, it's that definition of insanity, right? Where you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And then you're surprised when you don't get a different result. Well, there's so many little subtleties and nuances that, you know, if if I could say one thing to civil engineers, it's get out in the field and look at these things. Even if you're not getting paid for it, even if you can't bill for it, if it's raining, it's raining at my office today. Go out and look at these things because you'll learn these little subtleties and making slight tweaks to some of those details are going to have huge impact. Um, and if we're using the same details today in stormwater that we're using 10, 15 years ago, so much has been learned since then. Um, and it's you know, yeah. time to upgrade, update those so we can get better results. And a lot of that gets shown in long-term life cycle cost and the implications of maintenance. Yeah, I've I've heard that. I've seen that before. I've actually got a good good friends you know, that won't be named that have just used the same thing because that's the only person they've ever you know that ever came by and talked to them and just got like what I'm like traveling around the country. I can bring you all kinds of cool stuff to, that you could implement. But uh, hey, that's what I was looking for. Rob. Hey, unpopular opinion, folks. All you civil engineers out there. Get out in the field! Oh gosh, we're gonna get we're gonna get crushed uh, for, for for saying that. No, just uh, no. Everybody, everybody's pretty cool. They they know what's going on. But hey, uh, speaking of challenges, and uh, I saw this when I was doing the research ahead, and it looks like the dates have passed for this year, which is unfortunate. I kind of wish I would have been able to, to grab you sooner. Um, but uh, I guess there is. You mentioned there is a green. You guys put on a a green challenge. I mean, I know. Um, the dates are passed. Do you know, do you, are you involved in that? Uh, do we, we yeah. want to just talk about it for, so people can kind of like look forward to 2024. If they got a project, they can submit or they can reach out to you and see if they can slide in early, uh, slide in late. I don't, I don't know. I, I assume the dates are passed for this year, but do you want yeah. to kind of talk about the, the green challenge? Yeah. One, one of the really cool, well, there's many things, but one of the really cool things that came along with, um, you know, starting to work at Ferguson and building out this green stormwater initiative was, um, 
the ability to actually, well, the desire and the ability to help and support communities and not just put stuff in the ground and say, boom, we're done, but actually look at those co-benefits, the, the social community impacts, the environmental impacts, and actually genuinely participate. And so one of the biggest shortfalls with a lot of often smaller municipalities is funding to implement, funding to put those initial pilot projects in. And so we've, um, Ferguson has always done different kind of water challenges, which are essentially like our own funded um, projects or helping make projects okay. happen. Oh, okay. I got you. And so awesome. shortly after we started this group that I lead, um, it was in 2021 that we did our first green infrastructure challenge, which was in actually New England and New York. Uh, and the winner of that year was the Cumberland County Soil and Water Conservation District out of Windham, Maine, where we did basically converted their parking lot from a, an old paved lot to a, a stormwater showcase with a bunch of different practices, permeables, biofiltration, filters and screens and all this nice, nice. great, fun, collaborative project that was built last year. Um, this year, we shifted to the southeast. So really from, you know, the Carolinas, Georgia down to Florida. And you're right, that application period did just close at the end of May. Um, but we've got a bunch of applicants that I've got to start sorting through with a team of folks. But uh, again, appealing to really those municipal groups who are looking for that help. And so we're essentially providing f- free materials as well as some dedicated um, design support to help turn those ideas into reality. And we will be doing it again in the following year. The location of that has not been uh, confirmed yet. Um, but uh, gotcha. it's, gotcha. it's gotcha. what a cool way to really kind of walk the talk and say, hey, it's, it's not just about selling material and collecting checks. It's about actually yeah. participating and it's it's a fun way to do business. 100%, 100%. And then what we'll do is, um, even though it's over for this year, we'll, we'll put the link in the show notes, folks. So if you have a project that you're thinking about and you're underfunded, you want to apply and put your, your best foot forward, uh, we'll put that link out there so that way you can follow it. And when the 2024 link is there, you'll be able to 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 apply or whatnot. And then is there a, a, a project link for the 2021 winner? Is there a link to that project anywhere on your site? So, um, yeah, I can get that to you so we can post that in the show. Awesome. Too. We'll put that in the notes yeah. as well. So if you want to check out that, you know, what, what the winning uh, formula looks like or project looks like, I'm sure everything's kind of year to year, case by case, but you can at least yeah. check that out. All right, Rob, as we're wrapping up, uh, how can everybody, how would you best be found? How do you, how do you like to be found? We'll put every, all your contact, your email. I guess email is probably the best way yeah, know, sure. to, yeah. to reach can, out to you. Or yeah, people can email link, me. LinkedIn. Um, yeah, LinkedIn is good as well. I try to post uh, sort of interesting updates on there from time to time. Try to stay away from too much product-focused stuff and more about projects and people and interactions. Um if you're interested in learning more about the green infrastructure designer survey I've done, that's something I can also um, connect with folks on. And it's something I've been presenting at a number of conferences this year. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The survey. Do you have yeah. a form that they fill out? Do you have a link for that? We can I put do. that in yeah, the show I can notes get you well. that. Yeah. yeah. We'll provide all that. We'll provide that to everybody. That's, that's cool. Yeah, for sure. for sure. Yeah. And if, you know, if there's only, if there's one thing I can, outside of having folks go and take a look at these projects, you know, and seeing what they actually look like after um, they put in the ground, um, you know, for me, uh, you know, it's really it's for all designers, civil engineers, landscape architects, municipal designers, program managers and things like that. Really trying to think beyond just the digging the hole, putting something in the ground and checking the box. That's that's always been the formula, as blunt as that sounds. But really thinking about leveraging those triple bottom line co-benefits. So how can we bring people there? How can we educate? How can we impact communities about 
you know, uh, water quality and protection of downstream natural resources? Uh, how can we leverage some of the financial benefits that come along with doing some of that? And how can cities build programs to make it more interesting to implement green infrastructure? Uh, and then obviously focusing on the environmental benefits that come along with sort of the, the application of these systems. So um, that's a piece that I think we miss a little bit in the design. And sometimes it's as simple as having an educational placard or a, or a bench to sit next to something, something super simple that just connects the <laughs> right. world that we live in with sure. the work that we're doing. And I think that's going to help us Great. further this green infrastructure thing at a much more rapid pace. Awesome. Awesome. Man, it took us 30 minutes to get you fired up, but I think we, we, you know, we definitely got some, uh, some extra tidbits out of it, out of you that we may not have gotten. Uh, but, uh, I really, I, I really appreciate you coming on the pod. Uh, it's, it's been enjoyable. Uh, just learning here and, um, you know, what do you, how long have you said you've been in the industry? 20 plus years. About 20 years now, still there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the passion's still there. And and just, you know, so you know, your reputation precedes itself. I, I've talked to some folks in Ferguson. I'm always looking for people to come on a pod and your name come up came up more than once. Like, oh, Rob will do it. He'll get on. So I and I feel like that goes all the way back to the beginning, right? Like we're like you were that young engineer. And everybody's like, Hey, let him take the call. Let him take the call. And yeah, look, you know, it's 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 served you well all these years. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. You know, and I, I will say finally as well, like what a joy it's been to call people to join the team that I get to lead and uh, just see them bring their own backgrounds, experiences, uh, superpowers they have from their experiences in their careers before their time at Ferguson. And it's just a it's such a pleasure to be able to manage that group of folks and, and interact with them each day and see them all thriving, you know, as part of this initiative that we put together. So it's it's been a really fun journey. Awesome. So this this episode is aired uh, probably sometime, um, you know, the, the third week of June. So if you want to, do you, you guys, where can you be found? Sorry, you guys got some conferences coming up. Any shout outs you want to give to locations you guys are going to be in to be found uh, where they can actually see you, you know, shake a hand and, and visit with you? Sure. Yeah. Um, for me personally, uh, the ASCE EWRI uh, LID conference that's happening in Oklahoma okay. City in the, I think it's August 6th through 9th, uh, will be there. I'll be presenting at that event. Um, my team will have presence at StormCon uh, and a couple of other local events, including like Casca over uh, on the on the West Coast, uh, I think late September. Right. Um, yep. but, um, that's probably the next good one is the Oklahoma city. And if you're thinking about, um, events that are kind of focused on this space or looking for something for education, that EWRI event is, uh, always a good one. Uh, it's hosted every two years gotcha. with a maintenance focused conference on the other, every other year. So, um, yeah, oh, check wow. it out. Okay. All right. We'll put all that in the notes as well. Rob, thank you again so much for being on the pod. Appreciate your time. You're so welcome. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Stormwater World Podcast. Do you have something you'd like to discuss? Do you have an opposing opinion regarding something you heard during this episode? Let's talk about it. Click on the link in the show notes to sign up for a future episode. I'd love to visit with you about what's happening and how you see things unfolding in your stormwater world.